hit it, Phil. Can it be the breeze that fills the trees with rare and magic perfume? Oh, no! It isn't the breeze, it's Jackson time. La, da, da, da. Well, Jello again. This is Buck Benny speaking. Uh, we have a nice full house today to talk about our Christmas episodes of the Jack Benny Show. Uh, this one we're going to do is with uh, Edgar Bergen's wife, uh, Frances Bergen. And uh, it has Mortimer Snurd in it. And, of course, Charlie McCarthy. So it's uh, a fun episode. And uh, the folks we have today with us are, of course, Kathy Fuller-Seeley. Hey, Kathy. We have terry phillips back from the wilderness it's good to see you terry i was I, as we're doing this as i'm putting these out there i'm going okay put them out there for like two weeks for, for folks to view and usually i put them out like a day before we're gonna do this or something so i'm going oh i hope terry sees these and joins us that would be great look at that there he shows up awesome terry um and terry you have you are now working on what a new episode of your uh imaginary theater correct I just finished the last rewrite and I sent it out for casting. Well, that's exciting. And, um, I hope that sometime in the next few weeks we'll send it out into the world. Cool, cool. If this is like normal, uh, Terry will say that, and I'll interview him. Oh, he'll be he'll be back in in about a month and a half, and go in the next couple of weeks. We're hoping to release that. <laughs> <laughs> we had one where we did that for like a year. <laughs> well, this one should I'm go sure pretty come quickly. Up soon. This one should go pretty quickly. It's probably going to be the shortest episode ever. Oh my goodness! You're going the opposite direction from usual. Okay, okay. Or maybe we just hit the re the reset button. <laughs> you you wrote a five minute script and you're like, there we go. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> and we have John Henderson. Hey, John. Hello. Hey, uh, you got any specials coming up for Christmas or anything? Anything special you're doing or anything? Uh, well, no, I mean, just Christmas episodes. I think I might do um, the, what do you call it? Command performance where Jack Benny is a, a guest. So uh, I've got it there. I've got a, that from a couple of years. So I'm going to, you know, see which one uh, I decide to do. I've done a bunch of bonus episodes for my Patreon. And then I uh, sort of ended the Patreon and I can throw them out as bonus episodes on the regular feed. So that's nice. Okay, cool. And there's a command performance I think it's either that it's one of those command performancey type shows uh, that has uh, Fred Allen on it and Jack Benny and they go Christmas shopping together. And that is a really cool episode. So yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, and speaking of, of episodes of things and finding unique things um, I, I, I usually I've started uh, releasing uh, uh, the first season ish of Superman uh, the Adventures of Superman, and it, and uh, it's been really enjoyable. I grabbed the whole, uh, you know, usually it's like a six week, I mean a six episode arc to make one storyline. So I grabbed the whole storyline, put it all together, and then do an intro on it. Well, I said, in all that time, it was on for like a decade or more. I'm like, they have to have done a Christmas one, right? So I'm searching for a Christmas one, and I can't find a Christmas one of the actual radio show. But then I found out that they, uh, someone had posted on Internet Archive uh, a record set that they had that was with all the original cast members, but it was a special Christmas. I think it was probably like a single. I, I doubt it was even a full record because the whole thing on, on, if, uh, on one side is like seven minutes long and the other side is like four minutes long. So I think it's maybe 11 minutes all told. 
but that'll be fun to to release that so i'm gonna i gotta listen to it first and then figure out what i'm gonna say about it but it's cool that I yeah i i I often find some of those old records that I put on the kids' iPods for listening to at night. And, you know, it's like a story or whatever. And uh, what I don't realize is the first, you know, seven minutes or whatever is a story. And then the second seven minutes is a song. And the song is always like blasting out much louder than the rest of the story. So you try, they go to sleep from like the talking and then suddenly they're like, whoa. (laughs) Well, and you probably just laugh your head off at that. (laughs) (laughs) and we have hope sears with us hey hope hello hope you got any special plans for christmas you heading out anywhere or you got family coming out or um yeah i'm gonna hang out with my at my parents house for around the 20th the their anniversary and then head out to grandma's house in indiana so very nice very nice i have a good time i hope everybody has a great christmas well, let's uh, get on to the to the show at hand. Um, um, and I will. Oh, I got to show you off my shirt that my kids made for me uh, before uh, we go into the show because it's perfect for today. So uh, let's see if I can get over here. Most likely to watch a Jack Benny Christmas show, Aww. and that is true because we're watching Jack Benny Christmas shows as we're talking. So uh, yeah, so we're we're talking about the uh, of course the episode with uh, Francis Bergen in it, who is Edgar Bergen's wife, and uh, has Charlie McCarthy and Mortimer Snurd in it. And uh, w- w- um, who can explain <laughs> the the two versions we're dealing with the live version and the and the Zach? Do you know the like roughly well, the uh, dates or anything of the live? I can, and, I, no, um, but I can explain the idea. You see, okay. Timothy Leary invented acid. And then what happened was he gave it to everybody on that crew because this premise is out of its mind. No, I actually didn't realize. I I know I've seen both versions before. So I was actually kind of shocked to see clarity in the, uh, the dummy masks, if you will, because the live version, definitely. It's definitely a kinescope. Um, See, and I was surprised by, I like saw it. It was like, haven't I seen a clearer version of this? This is, this is from the, the, live version and you can tell it's a kinescope so Mm -hmm. yeah all right yeah so what we're going to present today is we're going to present the filmed version because we already did an intro on the live version last time we were all together and that's the one i watched uh so the the song's different what what are some of the differences so the song's different the sportsman song's different for sure francis's song that she sings is different um I think that's well. I would say the the big main difference is the original live one is a Christmas episode. We're recording this at Christmas time. This filmed version is not a Christmas episode. Okay. No. Well, then forget it. We're gonna we're gonna do the Christmas one because it, it's Christmas time. So I will I will attach this to the live version that no one watched. But that's okay. It's the same <laughs> basic storylines. It's all good. I mean, if you if you really think about it. There is no nothing more joyful around this time of year than watching two ventriloquist dummies come to life. Yes, just like exactly. it's very normal for Santa to come down your roof at Halloween. Yeah, last time we kind of kept it as a secret on that one, but I think this one we're just going to let it out of the bag that yeah, they're they're uh, you're going to see live versions of uh, Mortimer Snurd and. Uh, and of course, uh, uh, who else? Uh, Charlie, Charlie McCarthy. McCarthy. Yeah, thank you, thank you, Charlie McCarthy. Let's, let's take a let's take a quick poll. Who finds them creepy? 
I find them everyone but Terry. I, I love it. Terry finds them endearing. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Are we talking about the dummies yes. or the masks? <laughs> the mask dummies. I mean, just they're, uh, they're oh, my favorite yeah. part of the show. Are they? <laughs> Terry. Oh, Terry, I love you. <laughs> well, and then my my I'm curious as to whether they're creepier in one version or the other. I kind of have a feeling they're probably creepier in the one you guys watched, which was the filmed version because the resolution is higher and so they the detail of the little rubber gloves yeah (laughs) it's it's a great it's a really it is a great thing that criterion has not remastered these at all whatsoever (laughs) i'm very happy that they instead decided instead to do the devil and daniel webster as their next release i just had a brilliant idea i know what we're gonna do we're going to show them the live version because that's the Christmas version. So after this, we'll play the Christmas live one. And then it'll segue right into after that one into the film version. So you can compare the two if Ooh. folks want to stick around that Ooh. long. And if they that's don't, like they can just turn off their YouTube the or go version. watch something else. And that's all good. So mm-hmm. a special hour-long presentation. And we've never done this before. We've, Very we've talked about live versus film, but we haven't actually shown them back to back. So this will give you a chance to compare. Pull a Steven Soderbergh and literally put them side by side and see how it matches up, like <laughs> like he did. With, or yeah, Soderbergh did it with Psycho. Yeah, yeah, like Orson. Yeah, yeah, we can, yeah. yeah, that'd be fun. Anyway, uh, let's let's go around and see what what folks. Uh, uh, you can talk about what was creepy or what you liked, whatever. It's all good. So uh, we'll start with uh, Kathy as we go around. Kathy, what uh, what stuck out to you? Well, um. What stuck out the most to me was um, how much, uh, uh, how kind Jack Benny was to Edgar Bergen. I mean, this is a kind of love letter to uh, Bergen, how kind to um, give this props to wife Frances and her little singing career. And isn't she a beauty? Uh, And I think her daughter Candace uh, uh, carries that gorgeous face. Mm -hmm. Um, But what impressed me the most was I am thought that Bergen just faded away after the end of radio and um, going doing a little homework on Wikipedia. Uh, I was interested to find out that I was that he did try to do television in mm-hmm. various things. He had a couple short-lived television series of his own, but then he made quite a number of guest appearances um, in the mid to late fifties, and then he was uh, on with the Muppets into the seventies. So I I just thought he rolled his tents and gone away. And it was interesting to me to find out that he continued his career, albeit as a, at a kind of semi-retired pace. And so. he was the original Grandpa Walton, too, on the Waltons. Yes. Uh, in yes. just the very first, the, I think it was called The Homecoming, was what the, mm-hmm. the pilot, it wasn't really a pilot, it was made as a it movie, a and for, they decided to turn TV that into movie. a series. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes. So, but he only did that one um and and so that's kind of cool uh and then he uh in the in the later 50s uh, as radio was waning and almost going away he had like a a, an hour-long show that i think he tried for a year or two there uh i want to say it was 55 to 57 or something which is quite late in the in in radio uh, for him to try and make a pseudo comeback and uh yeah so those are kind of cool to, ha- to to have if you listen to those episodes and they're all pretty good i mean they're um he he was always great um anyway uh yeah t 
Terry, what were your kind of what stood out to you on these on this thing? I think this was kind of an uh, unusual episode for Jack Benny because it was filmed. He didn't have an audience, and I thought his timing was way way off. It was weird to watch Jack Benny perform without an audience. That said, it was also one of the funniest episodes I watched. The writing was tremendous. And Jack's performance, of course, was great. But to see him work with that an audience, to me, takes away one of the great joys of almost every other Jack Benny performance I've ever seen. So that's well, the first... A great joy to the fans who are watching because they'll see the live one first. It does have a live audience. And yeah. then they can compare it to what happens. I think that it's going to be a stark comparison. Yeah. The other thing that I found great was that um, that Edgar Bergen, who's only in the, the film version briefly at the end. Yeah. And, and the live is, version as well. Uh, and in the live version. It is a much better performer than so many people give him credit for. In fact, after watching this, I went and, and looked for a few other uh, examples of his work. And I found him, he did um, the game show, What's My Line, several times. And I found one with Charlie McCarthy and a Jack Benny connection. One of the panelists was Fred Allen. And he was very, very funny. He, he was good at accents. And he had a great sense of, of visual humor, physical humor. So I, I think it's, on one hand, it's unfortunate that we have so little of, as I said before, in the film version of Jack Benny with what he's best known for, his comic timing, and so little of Edgar Bergen showing off his acting yeah. skills. He was hardly there at all. I mean, it was wonderful to see his wife singing. Yeah. I didn't know that she was a singer. Uh, it was terrific to see uh, Billy Curtis, the uh, the little person who was, I guess, best known for his work on The Wizard of Oz uh, oh. in, in the costume of both Charlie McCarthy and Mortimer Snurd. Wow. The guy playing the butler, whose name is uh, Carl Swenson, pl he plays uh, Edgar Bergen's um, uh, butler. Uh, that I won't say any more about part of it, but it was a really, really funny part of this episode. Yep. And then there was one last thing I, I took a note on. Oh, the other thing that really bothered me about the film version was the laugh track. It was so painfully yeah. shoved in there. Yeah. And I'm glad that most of what I've seen of Jack Benny did not have that, that, yeah. uh, that really hor horrific right. uh, addition to it. But well, and, without and an he, audience, I guess people felt the need to to insert what yep. sounded like an audience. Yep. They did try, all of the performers did try to look as if there were an audience in front of them, but we know better. And and that really uh, irritated me. Yeah. Nevertheless, I got a lot of laughs out of this one. Well, I, good. I'm glad I you enjoyed it. it. I was gonna I was gonna share about uh Edgar Bergen because you're saying how he didn't get much screen time and things. Um, it, it's kind of neat. I've kind of rediscovered and played around a little bit with uh, his uh, relationship with Disney in the late uh, 40s, early yeah. 1950s. So one of the movies, I'm sure John will probably be able to point it out, uh, he does voice work on 
one of the actual shorts. Is it fun and in... fancy free and uh, Mickey and the Beanstalk? Free. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. That's it. Yeah. And then he, but also, I don't know if it's that same one or a different one. He also does like where he introduces all the bits. We keep going back to him and he introduces the next bit. Uh, the next cartoon or whatever and then it goes back to him and he's with kids at like a birthday party sort of thing or just a yeah. party thing that they're doing and so that's kind of interesting to see him live and in color uh which is that one hour in wonderland or one of the no it is fun and fancy free uh, but an hour no. in wonderland is a black and white uh tv special right but fun yeah. and fancy free he's at the birthday party but he's not introducing the shorts because in um at the beginning it's uh bongo the bear sung by Dinah Shore. No, so but was... he he is narrating uh the Jack and the Beanstalk. Yes. Does yeah. keep kind of coming back to his Oh, that's song. what you're Okay, so that's commentary. what you mean. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. I thought you were then... he was introducing different cartoons. I'm like, where have I not why have I not seen this? this <laughs> and then as, as as Zach's saying, he's also in kind of the prototype for the uh Walt Disney television show mm-hmm. which started in 19 19- 55 i think the same year that they were because the beginning of the television show they started up months before they were going to open disneyland so it was kind of a huge commercial in a way for disneyland the synergy they were trying to develop between the television show and Mm -hmm. disneyland but five years earlier in 1950 they'd created a special a, a christmas special uh, that was very much like the the later show in 55 but this one had Edgar Bergen that was the main like person that was interacting with a group of young people and again introducing different uh, uh, shorts and things and then and then like Zach saying I think the biggest piece was I think the Alice in Wonderland was maybe the new movie that was coming out and so they were yeah pumping that up and showing bits and pieces of that, or at least the filming of that or something. Um, Zach, do you know more about that one? Not, not intricately. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I've seen it. It's got the girl who plays Alice and she's with, you know, Edgar mm-hmm. Bergen and they yeah. introduce different cartoons with like the magic mirror. So they, they, you know, they'll do like a, a snow white and, and something from song of the South. And then, and then they're the whole time they're promoting the new Alice in Wonderland uh, movie coming out. So those movies, especially Alice in Wonderland comes to mind, but there was other ones too, where they had like, and and Peter Pan did the same thing, where they had live actors that they would film and then then use that as reference work, I think, to create the the cartoon. Mm -hmm. But there's another thing called rotoscope, which means that you're essentially taking the live folks and... uh, Racing them. Yeah, tracing them or whatever. So it's so it's yeah. more direct. I don't think the Disney films were rotoscoped. No, no. That's, Though, a, that's a that's a myth that gets thrown around, especially with how you talk about the making of Snow White. They were not rotoscoping specifically. They might rotoscope some some small stuff, but it is mostly used for reference material when creating their layout for each scene. That's that, what I thought. And with a budget cutback. That makes it easier to take those old layouts and recycle them later on in the seventies, and it's yes. I, which I don't think is like a terrible yeah. thing. It's no, it's there, and you had actual anatomy working in the process, so you're mm-hmm. pretty much just porting it over. It's not 
the biggest sin in the world. But yeah, no, rotoscoping is not. They were never strictly doing that. Now the the Superman cartoons by Flasher, mm-hmm. Fleischer yeah. or whatever in the oh, yeah. in the nineteen forties, those were rotoscoped. Those oh, were yeah. where they actually had the actors and then and then uh, trace them or whatever, and that's why they look so yeah. gorgeous and it works really well for that. It's a really expensive process too, I believe. So, um, I love I love how I'm going in and out of focus. That's just mm-hmm. just to, 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 uh, I, people are going. Do I need glasses? Is there something? <laughs> There's nothing wrong with your television set. <laughs> um, may yes. I ask one? You may um, ask. You may ask. Thanks for here. raising your <laughs> hand. Good job at me. It, it makes me feel like I'm still an educator in this elementary is school. I L- little Kathy, this... go ahead. What is your question, little Kathy? Thank you, <laughs> um, uh, Mr. Lance. Uh, I, I'm curious. Does anybody know how much of his own material that Edgar Bergen wrote was he? I'm so glad you stuff? asked that question. I was wondering that same thing. I did some research, and I couldn't find any indication that he had writers. And so I believe he wrote uh, much, wow. if not all, of his own uh, wow. material. But I, I couldn't find direct evidence of that, Kathy. Right. Thank I'd, you. I'd love to. I'd love to to uh, learn more about that. Because his stuff was really funny. Oh gosh, yes. Yeah, he was so great at Charlie. I mean, uh, uh, so. Well, and so great of the changing back and forth, the way they could have dialogue, and it would just sound like two actors talking instead of one guy doing both parts. I mean, that's tough to do. I mean, certainly, uh, who seems to me to have taken it to a whole nother level is probably Seth MacFarlane, because when you see him on interviews. He'll hop around between four or five characters and keep them all track of all of them. Be switching all the voices, and it's crazy seeing how well he does that. Um, I think that's the thing that. Other than him, I thought Edgar was about the best at doing it. But Zach, yeah, I I was gonna say I I think that's the thing that people don't like say out loud with Edgar Bergen that they should is that he's a great voice artist. Yes. Um, like you can make the joke that's made in this program that he was a horrible ventriloquist and. We've all heard Jack's lovely letter to Remley, I think it was, uh, where he laid into Bergen uh, getting away with the biggest con job in history with his terrible ventriloquism. Um, but he's just a, he was an intricate voice actor. And the only reason that a movie like Fun and Fancy Free works with that scene, is, uh, those moments that they're filming, mm-hmm. is because those characters are so believable that you are willing to let a lot of things go. Mm-hmm. You are willing to believe over the radio that he is not moving his lips, which I'm not a supreme scholar, but from what I understand, he had the dummy there. Wasn't like a prop or anything. Right. It, like he did do the job. Um, and on set of Fun and Fancy Free, you can see him moving his lips all which way to Sunday. But if you are a first time viewer and that's what you're focusing on, then the movie wasn't made for you and you should just shut it off immediately because <laughs> you're not, I, I, I adore Bergen and McCarthy. I, yeah. I adore, I got into them before I got into Jack, which is unfortunately why it, this episode of the show has always been slightly a disappointment for me because I would have loved to watch Jack strangle the dummy. I thought that would have been funny. Yeah. Um, but, um, but yeah, his voice acumen is amazing. Uh, when he does Effie Clinker, which is also Ophelia in Fun and Fancy Free, 
Like yeah. he just had a natural verve switching back and forth. And yes, I don't know how like appropriate it is today, but his Swedish mock accent is delightful to listen to in those radio shows at times. Yep. It's not, it's not great. It's like, that's, that's still very much a stereotyping, but he just, it's like the Swedish chef in a lot of respects. It's so ridiculous. It can't be taken seriously. Yeah. Um. Uh. But yeah. And the Mortimer, the Mortimer mask probably scared me more than Charlie. If I'm gonna be doing a comparison here, yeah. the Mortimer one was worse. The Charlie one looks like it tries. Mortimer shouldn't be that. Shouldn't. Shouldn't that. No. 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 <laughs> <laughs> well, and folks can compare the mask from the live to the to the filmed in, in the version. You're probably better with kinescope. It's yeah. the only time but, I'm going to recommend. Well, it you softens it up and it doesn't make it as harsh. Well, there you go. So, I was going to use one more of the of the earlier version kinescope, but I did love this little bit where um Jack uh, uh goes to look for where's the hole in Charlie's back. Yeah. Where Edgar would be. Oh uh, yes, maybe. exactly. I love that too. Yep. Yeah. And he does that in both versions, obviously, because that he did on the version I watched. <laughs> and I don't think I don't think we've uh, gotten to hope yet. Hope, what what was your thoughts on this episode, or what did what stood out to you? Uh, I'm sorry, my screen froze there for a second. Um, I I just loved, like you've said, the back and forth and the the just dazed look on Jack's face as he yes. tries. Oh, figure, oh yeah, figure. Yeah out what's happening um but um the last track was pain painful um but i also i also enjoyed the shade that was uh thrown about making fun of um ed gerbergen for not being a very good ventriloquist yes. uh and it, and it seems to even like lean into that even more because bergen's not even on the stage it's like the hand is coming out from the curtain. And so he's not, you can't even see his voice, which lends to that, like, yeah, maybe, maybe he's a bad ventriloquist. Um, yeah. But um, I, um, I, I feel like when I am, when I watched Edgar Bergen as a kid, my only reference point was fun and fancy free. And so um, I didn't, notice how uh, him moving his lips as much because like like you said zach it was for me <laughs> i i still believe charlie mccarthy is yeah. real yeah like oh, that yeah. that dummy is alive not the well, person in the mask the dummy it proved is it alive. in both these episodes i mean oh. <laughs> no no, and, no and that's, i was amazed that's... that you know everybody else seemed to age some between the two episodes between the because it was a few years between the two but the dummies didn't age at all i was really surprised there is there is a fake video that has tons of comments on it. Um, I've only seen it floating around once, so it's not like everywhere on the internet. But it's about like it's a creepy Halloween story, and it's talked talking about how this man went around with his dummy, and but the dummy was actually his partner that had died, and the dummy was named Charlie McCarthy, and I was like. No, this is like, and I like, after some research, I was like, was there like actually somebody that was named Charlie McCarthy that died? No, it was this person just like totally ripped Charlie McCarthy um, and put it into a creepy story. 
and so it seems somewhat believable because if you google charlie mccarthy it's uh there's a dummy mm. um but it was um yeah so charlie mccarthy was never a real person just for the creepy people that might somehow find this and research that charlie mccarthy uh, was actually a dummy uh, yeah. Zach would argue on that point. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it it is it's so interesting to uh, to collect reminiscences of people who appeared on the show or appeared with Bergen, and how many people and famous people would talk straight to Charlie that uh, yes. um, that the the zeitgeist was that yes. he was so different from Bergen that people really thought right. you know you might as well speak. Yeah. Well, yeah, and he was the most engaging of the two. So if you were with yeah. them both, I think you would tend to talk to Charlie because Charlie's yeah. so much funnier than Edgar is. And uh, and I mean, Edgar's a straight man. So uh, John, you were going to say something. The ghost story is more believable. Oh, I agree that Edgar Bergen is not the greatest ventriloquist uh, in the world. Uh, but you you know, you think about it, he started out on stage and on stage, you can get away with that. You're, you know, yep. you're yep. 10, 20 feet away from the audience and they're not going to notice no the tiny little lip movements. And, and on the radio, no you're not going to notice it at all. And yeah, on radio, like you could be the worst ventriloquist ever. Yeah, and, yep. exactly. Yeah. Because he was a great entertainer. And if he was somebody like Mel Blanc, who just did voices, we would appreciate him in a different way and we wouldn't criticize him trying to be a ventriloquist. But as you move, you know, more into now you're on television, now there's film and things like that. Uh, they get the extreme close-ups. You're not going to get away with the lip movements. And this episode is a good example of, yeah. well, how can we have Edgar Bergen on when you've got these extreme close-ups and it's going to be obvious and, you know, maybe you've got an adult audience rather than, or at least a whole you know, a whole family audience rather than a kid audience. Mm -hmm. And so I think maybe that's where the idea of this episode came from, of having the masks. I thought the masks, though they looked creepy, it was lots of fun. You know, I love those things where it's like, this is a strange but memorable, weird thing in history. So I thought it was great fun. Well, yeah. Zach, you may remember, that they appeared in a Universal film in like 1942 oh. or 43 with Letter. a small child in long shot dressed yes. up as Charlie McCarthy. And that was weird. Too. There's a, <laughs> there, there's a couple of them. Let's break down the Charlie McCarthy cinematic yeah. universe here. Yeah. We do have let, we have letter of introduction. Um, mm. We have you, uh, you can't cheat an honest man, which uh, uh, context warning for that Charlie is in blackface and it is disturbing. Uh, no. Then you have also one called Charlie McCarthy detective which is even worse than the context warning I gave for uh, uh, You Can't Cheat an Honest Man. Um, but yes, they did two films at RKO. Look Who's Laughing RKO, and Here okay. We Go Again. Here yeah. We Go Again has the earliest incarnation of this bit because oh. there is a musical sequence with Charlie McCarthy and they cut in between a mid or a close on Charlie and then the wide shot is a little person dancing away. And I will tell you right now, the episode we watched, the filmed episode, is shot by Nick Musaraka, one of the great RKO cameramen. And yet, Here We Go Again is better shot for this premise than what Nick Musaraka shot, unfortunately. Um, I will say, though, it's well-directed from a blocking standpoint because... 
as much as those masks are horrifying, the beautiful part is that in the background, while you have Francis and maybe Charlie or Mortimer in the foreground, in the background is Jack slowly losing his mind. And he keeps doing it, and he holds on that shot for longer than five or ten seconds. It is a beautiful direction for the premise. Um, but yeah, though that musical sequence ten times better. And part of it is because you're swept up in the music and and chorus girls or chorus guys anyway. It's not gonna matter what's going on. We all know this is ridiculous. This one is so on its face that I think I like the jokes. I think the jokes are funny. I think the writing's funny. Yeah. I think it's just that the premise is a little rough to swallow with the with the way they're trying to sort of get away with the mouths of the mask talking. I think that's what really makes me creeped out. It's not the masks. It's how they're trying to make it effective. To well, the degree. other piece of this too that I think for audiences at the time, which mm-hmm. would be different, uh, it, it happens with a few of the film to live sort of shows mm-hmm. in that when it was the the live version was somewhat not topical but closer because uh, Edgar had just you know been doing that in radio for a long time and was just starting to struggle a little bit and finding out finding places to do his bit and things but by 59 when they did the film version it would have been further removed from that and the audience probably was going oh yeah I remember that's Edgar when, Bergen and, and Mortimer Schmidt and all those things. But the kids that were around that probably were going, what is this? What is going on? They wouldn't yeah, even quite realize it. I am, Bergen at this point was doing supporting roles in other films. He wasn't yeah. even doing, well, he was still doing the nightclub acting. He was taking him around the country, but it wasn't right. the same. But I, I don't think he was on the tip of everybody's tongues at that no, point, no, probably. No. And I imagine in the live version, you've got, you know, uh, Edgar Bergen with a microphone, you know, just off stage doing it live, right? Whereas right, the film yeah. version, it seems like they're trying to get away with something a little bit. I, I agree with Terry. The, I, I wrote in my notes that there's something odd about the pacing, uh, you know, and so it, it just, as far as like the production, it doesn't really work. And I actually think the fact that there is no audience, but they're trying to acknowledge an audience takes away from something because he does some like takes to the camera which also are a bit cheesy and they don't mm-hmm. seem natural and they're just like a bit uncomfortable and uh you know and i, I feel like they're um they're trying to yeah they're trying to get away with something even you know at the end where they have him do jack's voice and stuff i i just feel like it doesn't work as well as it could they drag out the same premise way too long like even having a mortimer snurt at all I feel like we just saw this and they don't add anything new to it. At least right. nothing that I thought was, there, there's was good. Also I feel like mis- it could have been a really great thing if they just cut it down to like, mm-hmm. you know, maybe maybe it's just like, you know, the the ALF thing where you've got the puppet close up and then he gets up and walks away and you see Jack's reaction. Like something small like that where they're not over beating a dead horse, I think would have been better. Did anybody notice that the laugh track was actually off at one point? They're doing the... It's Francis and Jack in a medium two shot. And they bring up the French Moroccan bit. 
um, or something like that, there's a bigger laugh. And then what clearly should get the bigger laugh afterward doesn't get it, doesn't get it, gets a small one and it's off by two seconds each time. It's mm. so strange. It's so strange. I, yeah. you, we know a laugh track is going to be goofy no matter what, but this makes, this makes cheers and Seinfeld tolerable with the laugh track because <laughs> this thing was just like, this thing was just literally, if somebody was asleep at the switch. Uh, it was really strange. And I, I agree with you, John, like this episode could have been like five minutes shorter or something yeah. like that. Like that's it. If you're already filming anyway, tighten your edit, tighten your edit. Like I can't remember. Did, did Fred DeCordova direct this episode? Uh, no, he directed Susan. one of the two that I watched. Um, director, director, director. Um, while she's looking that up, I will say that uh, John, this is one of the Don Weiss ones. Okay. Uh, and okay. I think Laura has pointed out because of of more multi-camera work in yep. the introduction, some odd cuttings from. It'd be a smart one to use him on this particular episode. For, which I I like I like his cutting in the opening a little bit. Yep. In a way, it's kind of like we talk about the premise of the Jack Benny show at points as being the show that takes you behind the show in a Larry Sanders esque fashion. It's kind of cool to get a multi-angle version of that it doesn't really work for what jack does but it's yeah. interesting yeah i okay i don't want to just be negative so i'll end on a positive thing <laughs> i i thought mrs edgar bergen was great i thought yeah. she was a great straight man delivery person and and i enjoyed that part yeah, yeah she was she was fabulous now i i do want to point out to folks Everything that we've said about the timing being bad and uh, and and the uh, laugh track and all of that—that's all true of the second episode. You're going to see if you if yeah. you hang out with us. But the live version, I didn't see any of that. Uh, to me, it flowed really well. To me, mm -hmm. and that's often the case. We point out with the live versions that they that the, the flow is better. I mean, it's just you have the audience to react, and you're not just acting to a camera pretending you have an audience. So it, it just works out slicker. Um, right. I, I uh, like I said, and I enjoyed the Christmassy parts to it that are going to be removed with the second one because it was done at a different time of year. So those Christmas bits are going to be removed. Uh, they have, though the Bergens have a very strange idea for what a Christmas tree should look like. It is not what I would have as a Christmas tree, but that's okay. It's sort of a pipe cleaner Christmas tree almost. <laughs> hey, it's... by the way, Buck, I think you got your Christmas witch because John just just disappeared. Yeah, yeah. So I, I really, we're we lost hope and John. Now they're popping back in. People are coming and going. It's just it's just crazy here. Every time but... a bell rings, a Henderson loses its Zoom connection. Out of bar, Clarence. Out well, I want to I want to head back over to Terry for a minute and and just ask Terry. Um, I was just wondering if you found any references or anything you wanted to talk about, uh, or had you covered all that? I, I don't know if you needed more time to, to chat about anything. You mean you mean current events type stuff? Yeah, sort of thing. Current events or or anything. Yeah, you know, I think this was a pretty timeless. One of the good things about this episode is that it, it stands up. You don't need to know what was happening in the world, right? It, uh, what, what was it? Nineteen fifty nine. Fifty nine. Yeah. Uh, yeah, March twenty second, nineteen fifty nine is when it was first broadcast. Um, no, yeah. nothing special. I don't. I don't think that they were referring to. Uh, 
the Cold War or anything like that. It was just it was just fun TV, you know. I believe uh, I, I believe in my history, uh, JFK had decided to run for president about this time. <laughs> so there you go. He was watching I, I this episode. And he was watching this episode and said, "Say uh, I better run for president to get away from this episode." <laughs> I think so. Well, I would say Candace would only have been about eight or nine in the '59 version, and um, I respect their decision not to bring her into the scale would have been odd but it makes it reminds me of the the creepy photograph back from 1938-39 when um uh, uh charlie the dummy is kissing joan benny yeah yeah and on a slightly creepy note that takes it back to jack benny if you yeah. I, I will say weren't though, they like, the it couple for a while i believe i'm not sure <laughs> I will say for Candace Bergen in, in the Candace Bergen element of it all, if anybody here hasn't read Knockwood, her um, autobiography or her memoir that talks a lot about growing up with her dad, it is, it's probably one of the first memoirs I ever read. And it's, it's a very interesting one. I need to reread it as an adult, knowing how, knowing a lot more about how much bigger her career got, uh, even I mean the seventies and eighties. So, but uh, I remember that being, that's a key source text for, a lot of Bergen and McCarthy information. If you're, I did find one other thing about Edgar Bergen, which was uh, that in late 1939 and early 1940, he uh, had a comic strip called Mortimer and Charlie. Mm -hmm. and, oh, yeah. Uh, in looking for writing credits, that was the only one I found where he was given some credit for uh, the the content of the comic strip. Huh. Didn't he didn't draw it? But no, uh, there are there are to this day so many memorabilia bits terry i'm sure you've seen them all over ebay i don't think there's like terry are you a fan like me that has one of the charlie mccarthy spoons oh yeah 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 i, I did i did zach i did some ventriloquism when i was a kid i put on puppet shows and you know i i wasn't as bad as edgar bergen but i couldn't say bottle of beer without <laughs> my lips but it it uh it, it was one of the great joys and and zach i'm sorry a, a buck to uh what you had said a moment ago about people looking at Charlie McCarthy, that's universal. When you work with puppets, people look at the puppet. It doesn't yeah. matter how bad a ventriloquist you are. It's the character they're interacting with, not just children. Adults do this too. It's amazing. Yeah. You can watch, like, you can, again, you can watch Fun and Fancy Free in any shot where they're, where he's got the dummies on the lap or he's got his hand back there. Your, your eye is fixated on Charlie or Mortimer. It's yeah. it's one of the two. There yeah. is it's it's so strange because you kind of in movies you want to look at the whole frame, and this is one of those instances where it's asking you directly like move your eyes back and forth and work them out for at least five minutes. Well, for for decades I worked with a uh, uh, little guy that was uh, a dolphin that uh we i would i would use with my kindergartners and do lessons with them and uh they would just they loved it was do so the dolphin they loved do so and then we had a song that we sang for do so uh i'll give you a little rendition of it as we go here we go oh, hey do so come on out hey do so come on out we like to listen and talk with you we like your songs and your stories too hey do so come on out hi boys and girls and that's how it went, but 
and 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 what I loved is my voice for do so changed not only from year to year, but within <laughs> a lesson it would change entirely, and no one could keep track of what the heck his voice was supposed to be. Sometimes it was very high. Oh, hi, boys and girls, I'm Duso. And then other times it was kind of like a goofy voice. And I, I, Mr. I Buck Benny, why is Duso sound Spanish now? Yes, exactly. exactly. You know, and you'd have some kids that would talk to the puppet and it'd be fine. Mm -hmm. It'd be great. And you'd have other, you'd always have the wise kid in back going, really, really, you really think I'm going to fall for this? And you're like, yeah, well, you know, <laughs> anyway, it was fun to do. I don't why would you want to kill magic like i don't understand that like five years old sounds like a sociopath <laughs> what is that were you teaching rhoda penmark what the heck <laughs> <laughs> okay so uh anyway we have um anybody anything else to do with this one or would you, would you want to let him go at this point anybody else got anything oh wait kathy would... had some review or something you were going to read no, no, no. That was um, that you talked about the um, the earlier version of. Okay. So you, you, you so we covered it. Okay. I, I okay. would say, in I would say, in spite of the the cracks we've been making about the masks and some of the uh, uh, some of the other pacing issues on each version, you when you watch this, I hope you enjoy the ambition of it because it is delightful to watch, even if it's not critically or objectively among the top tier Benny programs in either version. It's kind of cool to watch them kind of get away with that. And in a weird way, it reminds me of how surreal Moro and Boulogne could get. So yeah. I, I would hope that people could appreciate it uh, in any respect, just to have fun. Okay. Yeah, I agree. So enjoy these two episodes. We'll have the live one. Then we'll have the filmed one. I hope you guys are going to enjoy it. It'll be fun to to connect them back to back and i hope everybody has a great holiday um and we'll uh have it we're going to record another holiday one so uh we will let you guys go and we'll see you next time from television city in hollywood the jack benny program with a special guest mrs edgar bergen presented by lucky strike very very much ladies and gentlemen and welcome to the lucky strike program well here it is a week before christmas and i haven't even started to do my shopping yet you know, i guess it's because i don't know, every year it's such a problem for me i have so many people that i have to remember you know my cast my staff is don wilson and there's dennis day and then there's rochester you see rochester is been working for me for over 18 years and it's so hard to know what to get for him. He's got nothing. <laughs> and then there's Don Wilson, of course, uh, his wife uh, helped me a little bit on that. She told me that he wanted a shirt and she told me his size too. It was 1633. <laughs> I mean, where can you find a shirt with a 33 neck and a 16 sleeve. <laughs> then, of course, they're my orchestra boys. I always exchange gifts every year with them. And uh, 
They've already uh, given me mine. They sent me, the boys did, they sent me the most beautiful five-carat diamond ring that you've ever seen. And I got it already. The ring came, and there was no card in it or anything, but I knew it was for my musicians when the police came and took it back. <laughs> Fortunately, in our next musical arrangement, the clarinet player has a 10-year rest. <laughs> and of course, Remley, you know, Frank Remley, my guitar player, every year I, I always buy him a bottle of bourbon, but uh, his doctor absolutely refuses to allow him to touch liquor this year, you know. So uh, I gave him something else, and he was just thrilled. I gave him the name of a new doctor. <laughs> Well, to get on with the show, there's something I want to tell you, and I'm quite proud of this. You see, uh, one of my writers, Sam Perrin, and my musical director, Mr. Malin Merrick, got together just a few weeks ago, and they wrote a brand new Christmas song. It's a novelty song called uh, That's How Santa Claus Will Look This Year. The Sportsman Quartet are going to sing it. Oh, and Jack. with the Sportsman... Jack! I... Jack. I'm really sorry to interrupt, but uh, before the sportsmen come out to do the number, I want you to meet Mr. Enrico Scortaccini. Mr. Scortaccini, how do you do, sir? How do you do? It's my pleasure, sir. Uh, I can't tell you how much I have looked forward to performing on your show tonight. Well, that's it. Uh, you going to perform on the show? <laughs> oh, yes, yes, certainly, Jack. You see, we want to do this number properly, so I took the privilege of hiring Mr. Scortaccini to work with the sportsmen. Oh, well, good, good. I mean, you know, we want the number to go right. Yeah, we sure yeah. do. Oh, and something else, Jack. Mr. Scortaccini has consented to come on the show for only $1,000. <laughs> What'd you say, Don? I said he's consented to come on for only $1,000. Don... How many times have I told you that the words only and thousand don't go together? <laughs> Look at Don. Excuse me, just a minute. Don, as long as the sportsman quartet are going well, to now, do just, it, why just do we need... Look, just a minute, what? Jack. Now, I don't know whether you'll appreciate this or not, but it just so happens that Mr. Scorticini is between tours. Mm -hmm. And the reason he consented to come on for only $1,000 is because he likes you so very, very much. Now, couldn't you find somebody who hates me a little? <laughs> I found a lot of people who despise you, but they can't sing. Oh, that's great, isn't it? Well, now, Jack, look, don't worry about a thing. Everything's going to be all right. Just oh, leave fine. it up to me. Okay. Mr. Scorticini's really going to make this number. Okay. And now, ladies and gentlemen, that's how Santa Claus will look this year, sung by Mr. Enrico Scorticini, supported by the Sportsman Quartet. Ho, ho, ho. So loud and clear. Bring the 
long white beard and a suit of red and a baby cropped his hat on his head. That's how old St. Nick will get his Christmas kick. Yes, that's how Santa Claus will look this year. Here he comes. With a jolly laugh and a golden pack Full of good old luck, he's on his back That's what Santa Claus will bring this year Every lucky strike has a taste you like For the perfect gift, give lucky strike Every pop is full of Christmas cheer With a yippee-yi, ho, ho, ho He laughs so jolly With a yippee-yi, ho, ho, ho So loud and clear Lucky Strike is smoother, fresher too, and it's so much cleaner through and through. What a cigarette, it's toasted, don't forget. Smoke Lucky Strike throughout this coming year. Make Lucky Strike your smoke this coming year. Oh, 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 Don, a thousand dollars for a ho ho ho? That's ridiculous. Well, I thought he was a real bargain. Oh, you did, eh? Well, yeah. the next time you hire somebody without consulting me, you understand? I'm going to ring your size 33 neck. Now go, will you? Go? Yes. Oh, I can't understand, Jack. Oh, it, I try to give a little class to the show. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, that number was written by my two boys. It was recorded by the Dijon sisters, and I hope you will buy the records because my boys are going to have to pay Mr. Scordicini. <laughs> we'll see who gets the last ho, ho, ho. <laughs> you know, I, I don't want you to get the impression that I don't like to play pay for talent because I will if, if the talent merits it. Now, for instance, in, in a short time now, in a few uh, weeks from now, I'm going to do a show where I want to use a ventriloquist as a guest star. And I even got to speak to Edgar Bergen about it. It's because I love the way Mr. Bergen works with his two dummies, you know, Charlie McCarthy and uh, Mortimer Snur, you see. And I had lunch with Mr. Bergen a couple of times. We discussed it. And about three days ago, I had an appointment to meet him at his house. <laughs> Mr. Bergen's residence. Oh, it's you, Mr. Bergen. Yeah. Yeah. If he comes, I will tell him to wait. Yeah. Single bells, single bells, singing all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one horse open sleigh. Root hooty hoot. <laughs> Come in, come in. 
Uh, how do you do? I'm Jack Benny. I have an appointment with Mr. Bergen. Oh, yeah, I know. Mr. Bergen just called on the telephone. He'll be home here pretty soon. Uh, uh, won't you come in and wait? No, no, thank you. Thank you very much. It's a nice house. <clears throat> My, what a, what a beautiful portrait of Mrs. Bergen. Yeah, it is. Look at this. <clears throat> to Edgar Bergen from Gustav. <laughs> mm, an autographed picture from the King of Sweden. Mr. Bergen must be quite proud of this. Huh? Oh, yeah, by Yemeni, he is very proud of it. Uh, Mr. Bergen is Swedish, you know. I know, I know, yeah. I am Swedish, too. <laughs> no. <laughs> Funny, I... Yeah. Funny, I thought you came from French Morocco. <laughs> uh, Mr. Benny, would you like to have me tell Mrs. Bergen that you're here? Oh, oh, is Miss Bergen home? Yeah, oh, I yes, tell yes. her. Will you tell her I'm here, please? Well, here's this book that George Burns wrote. I love her, that's why. A cute title. Remember, he asked me to write the prologue to it, too. Let's see, where is it? Oh, there it is. Prologue by Jack Benny. that prologue. Someday I must read the book. <laughs> oh, there you are, Mrs. Bergen. Uh, Mr. Benny is in the living room. Thank you. I'll go right in. Edgar mentioned you'd drop by, but he must be detained at the studio rehearsing his radio show. Yes, your, your butler told me he called. Oh, well, the house is a mess. I've been wrapping Christmas packages. Yeah, I see. Yeah. I hope you don't mind waiting. No, no, it's so nice and cozy and Christmassy and everything with the tree. Yeah. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and, Jack, I want you to know that of all the Christmas cards, yours was the prettiest. Well, I... You got it already? I only mailed it last night. No, no, Jack, I'm talking about the ones you sold us. <laughs> oh, oh, yes. I did have a nice selection this year, I thought. Yes, you did. Well, Jack, I'm awfully sorry Edgar's so late, but if you'd like a drink while you're waiting, I'll ring for Pierre and have him fix you one. No, 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 I don't... Wait a minute. Your butler's name is Pierre? Yes, we picked him up in French Morocco. <laughs> That's the darndest thing I ever heard. Say, Francis, you know, when I was talking to Edgar about being on my show, he told me something about you that I didn't know. Oh, what's that? Well, he told me that you sing. Oh, I don't really sing. Sometimes I entertain at parties, and I've appeared with Edgar a few times. Well, look, at that would be wonderful. I didn't know you sing. Maybe you could sing some, and, and come on my television show sometime after Edgar does. Huh? Oh, Jack. No, look, we've got to wait here anyway. Now, come on, let me hear you do a number. I never dreamed you could sing. Were you sure you want to use something? Certainly I do. Come on. Well, all right. Uh, let me see. Well, this is a new number I did at Daryl Zanuck's big party last week. Wait a minute. I didn't hear you sing at uh, Daryl's party. You weren't there. <laughs> I would have been there, but I didn't know he was giving a party. 
Go ahead, sing, will you? Will you, Francis? Sure you want to hear it? Certainly, go ahead. I'd love to. Okay. I didn't even know you could sing. Go ahead. Believe in what you're doing and do what you believe in and like will have a new dimension lots of laughs a lot less tension soon you find you found a new way for sleeping sounder your goal is high but you'll achieve it just as long as you believe that's why each graduation day the guest of honor will always say to be successful in the field you choose students all you got to do is believe and what you <laughs> what you believe in and life will offer That's why each graduation day the guest of honor will always say to be successful in the field you choose. Students, all you got to do is believe in what you're doing and do what you believe in and like. We'll offer love and laughter If I'd have known that you, if I'd have known that you sang, I, I certainly. Oh. Hello. Yes, this is Mrs. Bergen. Well, Mr. Bergen isn't home. May I take a message? What? Oh, that's wonderful. Oh, well, he'll be very pleased about that. Yes, he'll be down in the morning. Thank you. Bye. Gee, isn't that lucky? Why? What was it? Edgar's five-carat diamond ring. The police got it back. <laughs> oh. Look at, look at, Francis. Getting back to the song. Look, I really, while you were singing, I got an idea for a show. Mm -hmm. Now sit down, and I want to tell you. Oh, now Mrs. we can do Bergen. this anytime. Oh, Mrs. After Bergen. Where are you, Mrs. Bergen? Come out, come out, wherever you are. Oh, there you are, Mrs. Bergen. <laughs> Say, can I go down to the city dump some slug rats with Skinny Dugan? For only one hour, Charlie. Now, wait a minute. Come back here. Huh? You've got a stain on that tie. Now, go to your room and get another one. One little stain. One stinking little stain. You've got to have a clean tie to slug rats. <laughs> No, Jack, sometimes Charlie... Jack? <laughs> What's the matter, Jack? Francis. Francis, that was... That was Charlie McCarthy. Oh, certainly. I don't know why that boy... But Francis. <laughs> Francis, he's real. What are you talking about? 
<laughs> Francis, all, all these years, I, I thought he was a dummy. Oh, now, Jack, you've been in show business all your life. How can you be so naive? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I can't get over. How is this, Mrs. Bergen? Oh, fine. Hey, come on, you're going to be tight. Yeah. Oh, it still has a sting on it. Hey, are you trying to pick my pocket? No, 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 no. No, I'm sorry. That I don't understand at all. Oh, I never was any good with men's ties. Maybe Mr. Benny will tie it for you. Yeah, would you please? Yeah, it's a little crooked here. Mm. <laughs> uh, 39, he says. There you are. There you are, Charlie. No, uh, thank you, 39. The last time he saw 50 was on a speedometer. <laughs> Get over. I can't get over. Jack, you're not putting on an act, are you? Putting on an act? For years I was so sure that Charlie McCarthy was a dummy that I I was so positive I would have bet fifty cents. <laughs> no. Yes. <laughs> I was never so baffled in my life. Oh, Mrs. Bergen. I can't. Oh, Mrs. Bergen. <laughs> I finished my work. I'm ready to collect my quarter. Okay, Mortimer. Oh, no. When I hear your quarter, did you do a good job? Yeah, I got all the leaves. It was tough getting up on the tree, but I got them. <laughs> well, now, what are you going to do with your quarter? Well, I thought maybe I'd, uh, uh, say, who's the yokel? Can we talk in front of him? It's perfectly all right. Are you sure now? You're sure he ain't an eavesdripper? <laughs> Mortimer, that's Dropper. Well, he, he looks more like a drooper. <laughs> Mortimer, this is Jack Benny. Now go over and say hello. No. Well, what was it you told me to say to him? I told you to say hello. Oh, 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 oh. 
Mortimer Snurd. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> I know I'm Mortimer, but what was that last part he threw at me? Snurd, that's your last name. Mm. You are Mortimer Snurd. Mm. Now, we've told you that hundreds of times. Yeah, but not today. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, what did you say your name was? I'm... I'm Jack. Jack. Benny. Yes, Jack Benny. I'm confused. I... You're a little hard of thinking, too. <laughs> now, Mortimer, this is Jack Benny, star of stage, screen, radio, and television. Oh, you Jack Benny that on the radio? Yes, yes. And on the stage? Yes. <laughs> got your own television show? I have. <laughs> well, well, Jack Benny. <laughs> oh, then you, you've heard of me. No. <laughs> Mortimer, what do you mean you never heard of Jack Benny? Now, how did you get so stupid? Well, I was, I was, uh, I, uh, what was that question? <laughs> I said, how did you get so stupid? Well, I had a good deal, and I just couldn't turn it down. <laughs> well, so long, Mr. Um, Mr. Um, oh, the heck with it. <laughs> I was never so confused in my whole life. I just can't figure it out. I was never so oh, baffled. I oh, just dear. can't understand. I'm sorry I was late. Say, I've been thinking about the show and I've got it all worked yeah, out. But so Edgar, Tommy, Edgar, 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 I yeah. want to tell you, I can't, I, I, no, I can't understand. Yeah, you. sit down. I'll tell you about yeah. it, Jack. No, See, at the opening show. No, no, not there, Jack. Here, here, here. There. <laughs> I want to thank you and Edgar, both of you, for well, being on my show. Jack, we enjoyed it very much. Yes. Oh, we thought it was lots of fun, Jack. Well, I'm so glad you did. And, Edgar, I also want to uh, wish you a lot of success on your own new television show, which starts January 3rd on CBS. That's I right. I wish you a lot of luck on that show. Thank you, I'm Jack. Sure you Ladies and gentlemen, be sure and watch Ann Southern next week. I'll be back in two weeks. And now on behalf of my sponsor and my entire staff, I want to wish all of you a very, very Merry Christmas.
appearing on tonight's program are Harry Stewart, Stevie Wooten, and Louis Mattieri. Remember one week from tonight on this same station, be sure and watch Ann Southern in Private Secretary. Jack Benning's next television show will be in two weeks. The Jack Benny program has been brought to you by the American Tobacco Company, America's leading manufacturer of cigarettes. The Jack Benny program has been selected for viewing by our armed forces overseas. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Don Wilson, reminding you people who hire or engage help that experience has proved that handicapped men and women make conscientious, steady, reliable employees. They take a special interest in their jobs. So look over your situation. I'm sure you'll find a spot for a handicapped worker. Thank you. respect that I present the star of our show, a man who is not only the dean of American comedy, but who, like the tide, keeps rolling along month after month, year after year, who, despite the wearing of the elements and the ravages of time, only gains in quality, and who, although failing in memory, still manages to find his way here every show, and here he is, Jack Benny. <laughs> Thank you, thank you very, very much, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Life with Methuselah. <laughs> Don, Don, come back here. Yes, yes, Jack, what is it? Look, Don, all season long, I've been coming out without an introduction, all by myself, and everything went along fine. And just once, you introduced me, and look what happened. Well, Jack, I thought I gave you a very nice tribute. Some tribute. The audience didn't know whether to applaud or bow their head in silence. <laughs> you made me sound 300 years old. Believe me, Jack, I didn't mean it that way. Oh, you didn't, eh? Well, look, now, we got a long show to do, so Jack, get if off. I had had any idea that you would misconstrue what was meant to be a compliment, I certainly wouldn't have said it. All right, all right, Don, forget about it. Ladies and gentlemen... I what... can't forget it, Jack. I wouldn't say anything to hurt you for the worst. All right, Don, all right. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen... As a matter of fact, Jack, when I thought of that introduction, I told it to my wife. And she said, Donald, that's beautiful. I'm so glad you're not going to say anything to make that old goat unhappy. <laughs> Don, your wife called me an old goat? Well, she didn't mean it that way. Well, how else could she mean it? An old goat is an old goat. <laughs> Don, does your wife know about that contract you and I have? Well, yes, Jack. It's no different. I've always worked from week to week. <laughs> but if you look at the fine print, this year you're working from word to word. <laughs> you could get fired between yours and truly. <laughs> now go while you 
still have a job. But, Jack, how can you even think of firing me after all these years I've been with you, after all the loyalty and devotion I've given to you? Some loyalty and devotion. Every time I cut your salary, you went around telling everybody. <laughs> well, I didn't mean to. But when you go around knocking on strange doors and begging for food, you've got to explain. <laughs> Don, get off the stage, will you please? Oh, all right. After all these years, that's the thanks I get. Imagine him begging for food. Three years ago, he missed a meal, and the Red Cross declared his stomach a disaster area. <laughs> What a guy. But you know, I couldn't fire Don. You know, next month, he will have been with me 25 years. Thank you. You, you have just given him his bonus. <laughs> and now, ladies and gentlemen, uh, getting back to the program, I think we have a rather exciting show tonight because my guest star is one of the world's greatest ventriloquists, Mr. Edgar Bergen. Now, uh, the reason I asked uh, Mr. Bergen to be on my show is because, well, I've always been fascinated about the way ventriloquists throw their voices. Matter of fact, I remember about a year ago, I was invited to their annual convention at the Ambassador Hotel, and gosh, what a boisterous crowd. I thought they were gonna be raided, see? But these ventriloquists are so tricky. I found out the next morning that they were making all that noise in the Ambassador, and the police raided the Hilton. <laughs> it was a shame, too. Imagine 2,500 undertakers spent the night in jail. <laughs> but, um, anyway, Let's see. Now, I didn't mean to get off on a tangent, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, but I say the reason that I asked Edgar Bergen to uh, be on the show is because I love the way he works with the two dummies, you know, Charlie McCarthy and Mortimer Snurd. And uh, when I first thought of the idea, see, I had lunch with Edgar, and we discussed it a couple of times, and then I had an appointment just a few days ago to meet him at his house. How do you do? I'm Jack Benny, and I have an appointment with Mr. Bergen. Oh, won't you come in, Mr. Benny? Thank you. Uh, Mr. Bergen, you have called, and uh, he said he would be home very soon, and that uh, would you please wait for him? Oh, thanks, thanks, I will, yes. See, a lovely home here. My, what a beautiful portrait of Mrs. Bergen. Yeah, it is. Hmm. To Edgar from Gustav. An autographed picture from the King of Sweden. I bet Mr. Bergen is very proud of this. Yeah, you bet. You buy jumping him and he is very <laughs> proud indeed. Imagine. <laughs> Mr. Bergen is Swedish, you know. Yes, I know. I know. I am Swedish, too. <laughs> no. Yeah. I could have sworn he was from French Morocco. 
Mr. Bentley, would you like me to tell Mrs. Bergen that you're here? Oh, is Mrs. Bergen at home? Yeah. Oh, fine. fine. Yeah, I'll tell her. You. See, look at that turtle. Gosh, I haven't seen a turtle since that time I was out in the country. I was driving my Maxwell and one of them passed me. <laughs> Drop by. Uh, he had to go downtown on business. I guess he was delayed. Yes, your butler told me. Oh, well, I hope you don't mind waiting. No, no, no. I was just admiring your home. Oh, thank you. Say, this is, a, this is a pretty big turtle you've got there. Oh, we find him very interesting. You know, Jack, some turtles have been known to live for over a hundred years. Over a hundred years? Mm -hmm. See, look how wrinkled and shriveled and dried up his skin is. How old is this one? Uh, 39. <laughs> Must give my makeup man a raise. What'd you say? Nothing, nothing. I'm awfully sorry Edgar's so late, but if you'd like a drink while you're waiting, I'll, I'll ring for Pierre and ask him to fix you one. No, no, I don't... Wait a minute. Your butler's name is Pierre? Uh, yes. We picked him up in French Morocco. <laughs> Be darned. Well, I sure you wouldn't like a drink. No, no, no. Oh, say, there's something you can do for me, though. What's that? You know, I have your records at home, the whole album, you know, and I think it's just great. Well, thank you. And I thought maybe while we're waiting here for Edgar that uh, you'd sing a song for me, you know. Oh, hmm. no, Jack. I haven't sung in a long time. Well, well what's I... the difference? I mean, we're here alone, just the two of us. Come on, let me, let me hear it. Maybe, maybe it's something we could do on the show that I'm going to do with Edgar, you know? You oh. could sing a number. Well, all right. <laughs> well, here's a little song I sang at Jimmy Stewart's big party two weeks ago. At Jimmy Stewart's party? Mm hmm I don't remember you singing a song. You weren't there. <laughs> oh, well, that's right. <laughs> I would have been there, but I didn't know he was giving a party. <laughs> Come on, come on, here's, I'll, I'll sit over here. I fell in love with you first time I looked into them their eyes. You got a certain little cute way of flirting with them their eyes. They make me feel happy. They make me blue. No stalling, I'm falling, going in a big way for little old you. My heart is jumping, you sure started something with them their eyes. You'd better watch them if you're wise. They sparkle, they bubble, they're gonna get you in a whole lot of trouble. You're over an amazed angel lurking in. Them their eyes. Those big blue eyes. You'd better watch them if you're wise. Baby blue eyes. They'll twinkle forever. They're always smiling at me when we're together. You're overworking them. There's danger lurking in them. There. 
Sister, that was lovely. Thank you, Jack. You know what? I'm going to find a place for it on the show, too. Good. Excuse me a minute. Hello? Oh, hi, Claudette. Claudette Colby. Oh. Uh-oh. What'd you say? Oh, Edgar and I'd love to attend. Next Wednesday? <laughs> at, at your house. About 8 o'clock? Thank you very much. Bye. Uh, is it formal? Well, I doubt it. It's a meeting about the trash pickup. <laughs> Now, Claudette, I mean, Francis. Mrs. Durkin. When we do this oh, show, I'm going to... Come out, come out, wherever you are. Oh, there you are. Look at this gadget I found outside. Francis. Oh, very interesting, Charlie. Can I go down to the city dump and slug rats with Skitty Dugan? Well, only for an hour. Oh, Charlie, look at that tie you put on. It has a stain on it. Now go to your room and put on another one. But all I'm going to do Don't is go down. Don't argue. Now go to your room. Come on. Okay. Okay. One little stain. One stinking little stain. You gotta have it. <laughs> You know, Jack, sometimes Charlie just... Jack. Jack, what's the matter? Francis. Francis. That was Charlie McCarthy. Well, certainly. I don't know why that boy always has to put a tie on... He's real. What are you talking about? Well, all these years, I mean, all these years, I thought Charlie McCarthy was a dummy. Oh, now, Jack, you've been in show business all your life. How can you be so naive? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I just can't believe it. How is this one, Mrs. Bergen? Oh, oh fine, Charlie. Come here and I'll try it. Are you trying to pick my pocket? No, no, I'm just fixing your coat. very good with men's ties. Maybe Mr. Benny will tie it for you. Uh, would you please? 
Well, I'll... I'll try. Maybe it'll help if I turn around. Maybe. Let's see. <laughs> there, that... That is better. Yeah, better for me, too. Looking at his puss was turning my stomach. <laughs> Charlie. Mr. Benny was nice enough to tie your tie, and then you say a thing like that. Now, I think you should apologize. Well... Go ahead. If I cast any aspersions on your facial appearance, I'm very sorry. Charlie, look him in the eye and say it. If I do that, we'll be right back where we started from. <laughs> so long, Mrs. Bergen. So long, Mr. Benny. <laughs> I can't believe it. I cannot believe it. Oh, Jack, you're not just putting on an act, are you? No. All these years, I, w I was so positive he was a dummy, I, I would have bet 50 cents. No. Yes! I'm so flabbergasted that I just oh, can't. Bergen. Oh, Mrs. Bergen! <laughs> well, fine, Mortimer. No. No. No, 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 no. No. No, no. Now, here's your quarter. Did you finish raking the leaves? Yep. Kind of tough getting up for the tree, but I got them all. Now, what are you going to do with your quarter? Well, I thought maybe I'd, uh, uh, look, the turtle got out of the aquarium. No, Mortimer, that's Jack Fanning. Can we talk in front of him? Oh, it's perfectly all right. You sure now? You sure he ain't an eavesdripper? That's not dripper, it's dropper. He looks more like a drooper. <laughs> oh, Mortimer, now go over and say hello to Mr. Benny. Okay. did you tell me to say to him? I told you to say hello. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, hello. So you're Mortimer Snurd? Excuse me. <laughs> no, I knew a Mortimer, but what was that last part he threw at me? Snurd. That's your last name. You are Mortimer Snurd. Now, we've told you that hundreds of times. Well, but not today. <laughs> well, what did you say your name was? I'm... I'm Jack. Jack... Benny. <laughs> yes. Jack Benny. 
I'm so confused. You're kind of hard to think in, too. Mortimer. This is Jack Benny, star of stage, screen, radio, and television. Hmm. Jack Benny, the big star? Yeah. Hmm. And you're on the stage, too? That's right. You got your television show? Uh-huh. Well, well, Jack Benny. <laughs> oh, you, you've heard of me? No. Jack Benny. How did you get so stupid? What did you say? I said, how did you get so stupid? Well, I got a good deal and I couldn't turn it down. <laughs> See you later, Mr. Uh, uh, Mr. Uh, oh, the heck with it. <laughs> I can't get over it. I just can't get over it. If I hadn't seen Charlie and Mortimer walk in here with my own eyes, I never would have believed it. Hello, Francis. Oh, hi, dear. Oh, hi, Jim. <laughs> Sorry I'm late. Hey, I've got the whole idea for the show all worked out. And it's all down here on paper. Now, I figured at the opening of the show, right after your monologue, Jack, mm -hmm. that I would come out and uh, sit down. Sir. Yeah. Right after the monologue, I would come out. Not there, here. to bring back my two guest stars, Mr. and Mrs. Edgar Bergen. Francis, Edgar, thank you very, very much for being on the show. Oh, it was lots of fun, Jack. We enjoyed it. I hope you didn't mind that little trick we played on you with Charlie and Mortimer. No, no, I thought it was quite a clever idea. I mean, getting little actors and putting masks on their faces and those, um, uh, gosh, with those masks on, they looked exactly like Charlie McCarthy and Mortimer Snurd. Must have been, you must have gone a lot of expense for that gag. Huh? Oh, not really. Edgar got the mask at Acme Costume Company, and they only cost $12 a piece. Yes, you can get any mask you want down there. They have masks of lots of big celebrities there. For $12 a mask? Yes, yes. You just go down and you can pick out any, any one of them there. Uh, yeah. What are you dreaming about? Oh, oh, I was just casting my, my next television show. Let's see, I'll have, I'll get uh, Marlon Brando, Tony, William Holden. Yes, I mean, what's another $12? <laughs> just imagine, just for $12, you can get all of these stars, the mass at this Acme place, a costume company. I must tell my sponsor about that, and it'll save him a lot of money. He'll really go for it. He may go further than you want. What do you mean? They have a mask of you, too. <laughs> oh, I mean, they might have a mask of me, someone to look like me, but they, they, they haven't got anybody that can do my voice, you know. What did you say, Jack? I said nobody can do my voice. 
Listen to this. Thank you, thank you, ladies and gentlemen. This is Jack Benny talking. <laughs> Francis, did you hear that? Hear it? I said it. <laughs> well, if you said it, why were his lips moving? Because he's a lousy ventriloquist, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks again. Thank you, Jack. Go on. Good night, folks. See you soon.